Hello ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We are here at Pennsylvania Distilling in Malvern, Pennsylvania. I'm here with Rich Bioni and Joe Amoroso. Welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Rich and Joe, welcome. Thank glad you. How are you, Rich? Good. Thanks, um, thanks for having us. Glad to have you. So take us back to the moment that this whole distillery was conceived, when you had the idea for the distillery. Well, it was, uh, it was around November of 2015 15 that I decided... Uh, that I wanted to do something. And a friend of mine and I got together for lunch. Uh, we had both uh, kind of retired at the same time. And uh, we came with a short list. And the short part of the story is at the end of the day, uh, we picked the distiller. So uh, it's something that, uh, at least for me, is, is kind of in my blood. Uh, and I mean that literally. Um, and also it's, you know, it, it fits in well with, you know, my DNA, how I was educated, what my training is, and uh, kind of, it kind of brought together all the things, uh, at least for me, uh, in a small company that I wanted to do. So how did you pick, you said there was a short list of things, how did you pick distillation? How did you pick doing distillation? Well, I have tons of distillation experience because I am a chemical engineer and, and I spent significant time uh, working in with very large multinational corporations, uh, mostly in operations, but in a variety of different functions. And when I was in big oil, I worked for the mobile oil for, for quite a few years. Um, I had responsibility over those years for various assets, uh, including distillation columns, which, are, which tend to be simpler than the rest of the assets. But nevertheless, I, I, you know, I kind of cut my teeth in that area. Uh, from the fermentation sciences standpoint, uh, it's more, uh, I had experience that was kind of more organic. Uh, I brewed my first batch of beer uh, in 1980 at home. And a lot of the guys that get into this business, that's kind of, that's their entree into this business. Um, so I enjoyed making beer on and off for a number of years. Uh, as I got a little older, it got away from me. But there was a time when I, I came very close to opening a brew pub. Uh, in media uh, in 1994. I had gotten my MBA uh, in nine, finished in 94. I was thinking about doing something at that point. And we were very close, but we didn't do it. And it always kind of hung back there uh, in the back of my head. Uh, you know, it would have been interesting to do something like that. And it's not a far stretch to imagine, you know, uh, the, the kind of the similarities between that kind of a business and the business we're in now. Right. 
Absolutely. And then, Joe, where do you come in on this story? Well, Rich uh, needed an additional partner or two along the way, and uh, we talked, and that's how I got involved. It was something that basically he wanted to do, and I wanted to drink. So uh, we kind of formed a little relationship or a marriage that way, but... Uh, it was working out just fine, and I and I appreciate that because I like to drink and the yeah. craft spirits and what you produce. So that's uh, that's a benefit for me as well. And you've been here several times, yes. so uh, you know what it's like. Yes, I do. Um, so, so, so now, what's it been owning, running, starting up a distillery? Talk about that process from where you had all the, yeah. you know. The, the, the equipment delivered and and take us through that, that right. process for you yeah I mean it was uh, it was it was it, you know I think you, you'll find out from a lot of the folks that go into this business unless they're uh, they're backed by significant money uh, which some are uh, that you know you kind of have to uh, take the highs and the lows and um, uh, some of the things took a little longer uh, than we had anticipated or probably more than we had wished uh, it took us a while to find this location because we really wanted to be local and we wanted to be either in Chester County or Delaware County. So it's not that easy to find the right footprint of a, of a place, a site right. uh, for this kind of a business for a number of different reasons, whether it's zoning reasons or, you know, neighborhood finding reasons. the right neighborhood yeah. or finding the right political landscape or finding the right physical footprint and especially the vertical part of it. Uh, it's it's vastly different than a brewery uh, in terms of the assets and it's much more complex than a brewery. So you have to kind of find the space that works and also financially. So it took us eight or nine months to find a place. And then the um, the assets themselves, we, we bought our uh, equipment from a, a small company in Upstart in Boise, Idaho. We wanted to buy American. When I went out for, I designed what I wanted. Mm. Then I went out for proposals. I got 16 proposals internationally. So I had, I had a number from Europe, obviously Germany, but also Hungary, Italy, the UK. I had proposals from the U.S., from Canada, and a, and a couple from China, just to see what the low end of the spectrum is. And I picked the guys in in Boise, uh, Corson, uh, because I liked their equipment. So. It, it, unfortunately, it just took significantly longer for them to 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 get the uh, the equipment to us. It took uh, we we were in our twelfth twelfth month. So equipment gets delivered. Joe, you're gonna interject there. Yeah, basically it was five months longer than they uh, anticipated delivery. Mm, it they, was they eight did. months longer. Eight months. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they they had said sixteen to twenty weeks. Okay. Yeah. It was eight months longer. It was a significant difference. So here you have you've acquired the building space and you're just kind of biting your time. Yeah. Well, when we negotiated a contract, and our 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 landlord here is terrific, but when we negotiated a contract, we had X months of free. Uh, just to kind of help us get get started to do our build out, <clears throat> and of course, then that time kind of came and went, and then we started paying the bills, and so we paid for a while without being able to produce the product and sell the product. What I did is, uh, I, I'm fortunate because I'm very handy, so I can do pretty much any trade. So I did uh, virtually all of the work back there myself. We did have some tradesmen, obviously, to put up the, the high walls. I don't have that kind of equipment. Uh, the electric, of course, because of insurance purposes, I can do electric, but uh, you don't want to mess around there. And I'm not a licensed electrician. But everything else, the piping, the design, the rigging, uh, 
uh, etc. My brothers came in and helped us with the setting of the equipment. Uh, so you gave I did pizza and, and, and free uh, free gin vodka when you were done. That was when the we, promise. When we were done. Yeah. yeah when we were done, it was a, they they got they got futures, if you will, on the, on the spirits. <laughs> yeah. So the equipment finally comes. What's it like that first day when you start to get things going? What what? Well, it was a lot of excitement. Like? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, I you know I I I had envisioned what I wanted. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm extremely detail oriented, extremely, extremely, extremely detail oriented. So I had designed everything that I wanted, uh, knowing how I would use it exactly. And so when the equipment came, I wanted to get it out of the 53 footer, get it into the facility, and check it out as quickly as I could. Yeah, you're like a kid. You're like a kid on Christmas, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. get it going. You know, put the batteries in, run it around, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a ton of work because we, you know, we didn't hire uh, labor to help us with any of this. I mean, we did everything, did everything ourselves. Out. So yeah, it was a full day just to unload the 53 footer to get that stuff in here. Yeah, it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, and then it was it was uh, around two weeks to get everything set because of the configuration of the equipment. So I have a question. I mean, as you're talking about the configuration and getting set up, is there certain zoning uh, or uh, approvals that somebody has to come in before you can start to do it? Yeah. It's just, so, no. so in that, not in that industry, equipment. it's not. Yeah, for, okay. for the, the equipment, in terms of the zoning in the local municipalities, it's kind of a black box. And that's the way they want it. That's our responsibility. Okay. And we incur any risk therein. Uh, they're more concerned with the more traditional uh, issues around zoning. So of course we had all the necessary inspections and we went through all that process, which was quite lengthy actually, uh, to do that. But no, they, they don't care they don't. about the equipment. Okay. They don't care about the equipment. So it's just a matter that once something starts coming off the still, they want to make sure that everything's taken care of for... It's a different municipality because mm -hmm. it's spirits and spirits are, are very heavily regulated, right. really only just behind pharmaceuticals. Uh, we have to answer to a number of levels of governmental uh, bodies. Right. The feds, obviously, for taxes for the most part, but also the feds to make sure that we're doing everything right. And the federal government, you know, they have the, at the end of the day, you know, they, they, they can come in and audit us, for mm -hmm. instance, to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything that, uh, for instance, labeling. It's critically Lab important. Labeling's very critical, you're right. And, and they oversee that as well, and plus the taxes. The state of Pennsylvania has been terrific. Uh, they are a control state, one of 18, but they've been really, I mean, just terrific. I can't say enough about the state of Pennsylvania. And I honestly think, in everything that I read and hear, that the state of Pennsylvania is really number one in the country out of the 50 states in terms of their position on this industry, the craft spirits industry. They've done a lot. They've done a lot for this industry, and that's why you're seeing businesses like ours in the state of Pennsylvania popping up. So what was the first spirit that you produced on the still? What was the, the first? Rye whiskey. Rye whiskey. Rye whiskey. I, I love personally rye whiskey. Okay. And uh, I thought that it was perfect because uh, rye was, for all intents and purposes, uh, first made in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It was the true Pennsylvania spirit, you know, especially during the colonial times, the pre-colonial times, the colonial times, obviously because rye is, is grown in the more northern regions of the world. It's a, it's a ubiquitous grain, uh, certainly as it was in Pennsylvania. And so they were making rye whiskey. And I wanted to make rye. Uh, so I did. I made my first batch in May. 
May of last year. Yeah, May of 2018. Yeah. Yep. May of 18. So to highlight, you are the, where do you fit in? You are the newest I think we're or the third youngest? in Chester County. But you're the youngest distillery right now in Pennsylvania? Or do you have any idea where that uh, is? No, I think there's one or two that are younger than okay. us. Okay. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm told there's a small uh, kind of a nano distillery in the southern part of the county down towards um, um, uh, kind of south of Kennet. Okay. Uh, down that way towards the Delaware line. I forget the name of them. I heard the name of it, but I don't remember it. Oh, now. Yeah. But yeah, there is one that's very recently opened yeah. up. Yeah, and it, it's like a nano. It's a very small, very, very small. And Eight Oaks, uh, Eight Oaks was a little earlier than us, a true, a true farm to bottle right. distillery. But you, you know, and I will say that mm-hmm. you have, you're, you're not open, open a year yet. No. And no. you, that's like six, seven months. Yeah. Right, right now mean, vicinity. And, and, and what you're producing is of significantly high quality. Oh, thank you. Um, exceptional spirits. Yeah. And that was one of the things that, you know, for, for my first visit here, that resonated right away that, you know, you, you, you said, Rich, you have a strong attention to detail. And I would say that is explained in what's coming out of your bottle. Appreciate it. Because you didn't rush to put something in to get the doors open. You really took your time and said, if I'm going to put this and my name on it for both of you, it needed to be the quality level that you expected. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think you hit it on the head, Rich. I, you know, you can rush, um, there's a lot of shortcuts that you can make for sure. At the end of the day, I don't think that's what the people, the customers that care about what we are doing. Right. That's not what they want. And, and I think and, when and you represent so, the craft spirit industry, when you have people that don't know anything about what you're doing and this yeah. is new to them and they yeah. show up at your door, right. um, having a high quality product that they've really never had before. Right. Because really what you're producing is a significantly high quality spirit. Right. But what they've had is more of the more, you know, quote unquote, mass produced, um, mass advertised product. So you're really representing an industry that a lot of people don't have a knowledge about. No. And and they're really new to it. So I think that's great. too. Yeah. No, that's that's right. And and so part of it is um, is education um, uh, for sure. And, 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 you know, in this business, in, in the in the craft spirits business, you can draw pretty much a direct analogy or comparison to the craft beer business. And if you look at the curves in terms of how the market share is moving and, and the things that are happening, mm-hmm. we're about 27 years removed from craft beer. So when I put a business plan together, started in 92 for a brew pub, um, I, I, if memory serves me right, I think craft beer had about 1.7% by volume of the total beer business in the U.S. So here we are, and it's, I believe, 20 or a little more than 20% now in a very, very, very large industry. And so the pie obviously can only grow as pretty much as fast as the population. Right. Uh, so the market share has to come from somewhere, and in the beer business, it came from the big brewers. And I think the same is going to the same see itself seems happen. to be happening. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, and it is happening. That's where the share has to come from. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, the, the ability to create the market in, in such an old industry that's been around for so long, it, it's it's just pretty much not going to happen. Right. But I think one of the things you are doing is by creating a product that people have really not had exposure to. Yeah. You're introducing them to something that they would say, "Wow." This isn't what I would normally drink or consume, but now I, now I do. Absolutely. Um, so you're yeah. even growing the segment of the market that wasn't there before. Right. And I think that's what you're helping. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, 
mean, that, and, and at the end of the day, that's that's the objective, right? And it, so, how do you do that? And that's really a very difficult question to to answer. But you just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You you, you try. You do things within the resources and constraints that you have, hoping that you're gaining share one drink at a time. Right. You know, and, and so so for and, and you know, if you had to kind of draw, if you had to kind of look at the market in terms of broad segmentation. Uh, I think it's as simple as saying younger people like differentiation, older people like standardization. It, it, you know, you can't you can't paint everybody can't with the same every, broad brush, but generally, yep. because we've moved from standardization in the World War II era people down through the boomers, down through the X's and the Y's, and I don't know what came here, and then the millennials, <laughs> right. and there's a significant difference in almost every category that you can. Imagine, right? Especially food categories, which I'm, I'm including spirits in that as well. So the proliferation of brands—coffees, teas, beer, spirit—I mean, you name it. You go to the rest. You go to a supermarket. I'm 55 years old. You go to a supermarket today. It's nothing like the supermarket when I was a kid. No. Vastly, vastly, vastly different. Yeah, and it's catering to people's different right. needs people and their lifestyles and their times. So rye whiskey was the first spirit you produced. What came after that? Yeah, so so we, we answered the why whiskey. It was really really a selfish, you know. I like rye whiskey, so let's go. make some rye yeah. whiskey. If you're gonna uh, if you're gonna set this up, <laughs> yeah. you might as well play right. with it the way you want to play right. with it, right? Yeah, and 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 then and then there's a story behind Pennsylvania because we we do we do we feel very attached to that story because we are after all Pennsylvania Distilling Company. I was gonna ask you, how did you come up with the name? And then we'll go back to the next spirit. Mm. Yeah, the name. Well, the, just like everything that I do, it's there has to be a process, right. and it's just usually a pretty significant undertaking so we had at that time there were three of us and I said guys throw your list together we'll get together and then we're gonna vet it okay. and I had already had the vetting process lined out you know here's the criteria we're gonna use qualitatively quantitatively etc this is first group second group third group fourth group fourth group we got the name okay then we go for the trademark or we go through the to make sure that the name is, is legal to use so we went through that process and you know it, it gyrated but ultimately, we came out with mine, Pennsylvania Distilling Company. Uh, it was just so simple. Okay. And it's just, it's you know, if you look at my business plan and you look at my market strategy, which is what we're trying to do now, um, you know, we're trying to build our brand locally in Pennsylvania and then move outwards from there, but in kind of different ways. And I just thought that, you know, it's really kind of the, a perfect fit for the name of the, the company that we want to produce good quality, small batch craft spirits. And we were surprised uh, when we found out that the name was not taken. I have yeah. to tell you, I was surprised too. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things. Wow. Yeah. All, the, think, all right? the distilleries, nobody has come nobody. up with Pennsylvania distilling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's an old established name and people think we've been around for a long time. So it kind of made a lot of sense to go ahead with that. That's, that's a great idea. Now, I'm not going to ask you what the other ideas are because we don't want to give anybody else any ideas for nah, the story. We'll save them for later. Right. So, going back to, you've got your rye whiskey. Yeah. You're really happy with that. Yeah. So, what came after that? Well, after that was vodka. Okay. Uh, I, I, when I put my production schedule together, I do campaigns of four. And that's because I have four fermenters. And in the in the in the in the entire process of production, the the critical path, if you will, the the, the, the bottleneck is fermentation. You, know, you have to give the yeast time to do their job, and you can't rush that. 
so uh, therefore, uh, you know, being the engineer that I am, uh, it just makes sense from an efficiency standpoint, a workflow standpoint, to campaign four batches at a time, and that's what I do. So I'll make four rye whiskeys, you know, four bourbons, four, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of set my schedule up. I'm looking at what's coming, what's selling. So I'm looking at our, our demand uh, signals but, uh, to adjust the production schedule, but I pretty much have it set going out several months. So back then I made rye, then I made vodka. And uh, I, if I had my druthers, I would have continued to make rye uh, for, for at least a few cycles. But I really was in that point, at that point, testing the equipment. And the process to make rye is different in some in some regards to the, from the process to make vodka right so i wanted to make sure that the two kind of staples if you will i could proof them and make them no pun intended but proof them and make them on this equipment right. i was able to do that so i made vodka plus you know vodka i mean we have a tasting room here right and the tasting room has always been a marketing extension of our company uh and um when people come in for a cocktail, if you don't have vodka, you got a problem. It's, it's an essential mixer, right? To start out, with. yeah, right. you have to have it. Yeah. So we made, so we made, we made vodka. We decided at some point during the creation of the business plan, we had decided, and I remember, interestingly enough, having some interesting conversations about this with the guys, where we're going to be a brand house or a house of brands. Okay. And we went back so explain and forth. that. How does that? How does that factor in? Well, uh, it's best explained by examples. Okay. So, so a house of brands is uh, a company that is continuously creating new brands, and as a consumer, you may not even associate one brand to the next. Okay. You might go and see these different brands, and you might even think they're different companies, whether or not that cares you care about that okay is you know is really up to the individual but the, the key for those kinds of companies is they're kind of building a brand it's almost a business within a business right you know look at Procter and Gamble look at look at some of the big multinationals that do this just as a matter of their normal business model I felt because we were so small and because we don't have those anywhere near this resources because marketing is significantly difficult right and can be significantly expensive uh, I felt that we, we can't be a house of brands, we have to be a brand house, and our brand is Pennsylvania Distilling Company. Now, you may notice when you look at our bottles, Rich, that we, you know, one's called Frontier, one's called Old City, one's called First City. Yeah, they're the different uh, spirit types. But when you look at the bottle and you look at the label, you know it's all Pennsylvania Distilling Company. Right. So, so you, as the distiller, are the parent, and your bottles and your different, you know, whether it's vodka or gin or whiskey, those are your children. Right. So basically, that's how you're doing it. You're, you're the parent. Right. These are your kids. And you're going to raise them and treat them a little bit differently. But you love them all the same. And yeah. you hope that people appreciate each one individually. That's right. Right. So yeah. and, and I think when you look at the craft distilling industry as a whole, I mean, that's like you said, it's, it's, it's a financial ability to what you can do. Yeah. But it's also time. You've got four cycles, as you pointed out. Yeah. You can only do so much at one time. Right. And as, Joe, you're going out and you're meeting with the bars and restaurants and and you're distributing that. Now, so what's the experience like for you there to do that now that you have your, your children with more on the way? Because I hear you're expecting more kids. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I, I was first, you talked about education a while ago. I was kind of uh, surprised to find out that there is... Obviously, some people out there that doesn't know how whiskey gets brown, 
So uh, I had to take the time to explain that to them. There's also some people that don't realize to have gin, you have to make vodka first. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, you need a neutral spirit. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was surprised to find out that there is a fair amount of people that don't understand that and don't know it. Uh, but at the same time, when I mentioned the name Pennsylvania Distilling Company, they kind of, I think, uh, I have an easier time getting into different places uh, that actually think that we've been around for a long time and they should talk to me. But um, I'm having a fair amount of success uh, out there right now, and we're in several areas around town right now. We're in the main line. Uh, we're up in King of Prussia. We're in Conshohocken. We're up in Kennett Square. So, I mean, it's a slow process. Rome wasn't built in a day, but... You know what? This isn't a uh, quarter mile, it's a marathon, so we're in it for the long haul, and uh, we're getting there. One of the things about distilling is patience. Mm -hmm. It's patience to make what you put in the bottle. It's If you decide to put it in a barrel, you have to have patience. Right. And as That's you right. grow your brand, right. people who become to know, like, and trust you. That's like Rich said, it's attention to detail and uh, what we're doing, and that's what we're all about. And we're not about, you know, People come in here, they love the cocktails, but they have to be part of the show to see Benjamin make the cocktail as well. And we'll see him make some cocktails so later. So eventually, I'm sure you're going to put that in there as well, but yeah. that's part of the whole process. Um, so so you, you detailed putting things together, but there must have been a like the worst distillery moment for you guys right now, uh, a moment where things didn't go so right. Is, take us through that. You know, I think a lot of that was was prior to opening. Okay. You know, we we haven't hit any any kind of large uh, significant red flags since we've we've been in operation. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing was, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to talk. You know, I don't want to I won't mention names of companies and whatnot. But you know, sometimes there's things that aren't, just aren't in your control. Right. And, Absolutely, and sadly, that's that's what happened to us, and and um, so the delays that we had prior to opening, when we were doing uh, the site search, uh, the the procurement of the equipment and other assets, and the build out, they they probably had the the most of the kind of, of, of you know painful pieces uh, to the process, but. Overall, uh, you know, I've been around the block. I worked uh, in chemicals for five years and oil for big oil for 10 years. And I was a management consultant uh, for 12 years, uh, working mostly with Fortune 50 uh, companies. And uh, and then I was uh, executive for, for a few years. So, you know, what I'm hearing you say is anything that would have gone awry. Somebody else paid you to do that, so you had a good sense of what you needed to do when you started to fire up. The yeah, scale. I mean, I think right? so. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you just learn uh, from from being around uh, problems all the time. Yeah. You know how, how to anticipate them, uh, how to manage them when they happen. Um, there's there's really no replacement for experience. You know, just there's just not. So now you've produced the vodka, you've produced gin. Um, I think. Your next spirit was rum, or uh, yeah. So it was, it was, so it was rye whiskey, vodka, gin, then rum. Then rum. Yeah, and, and with the rum, rum is 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 kind of fun to make because it's really simple and easy. It's a pain because I'm doing all the work back there, and it's lifting heavy buckets of molasses and all this kind of stuff. Just 
over and over again, which would have been nice when I was in my 20s, but now I'm in my mid-50s. But nevertheless, but it's interesting because with rum, you can almost skip steps. You're not starting from a grain. You're starting from molasses. And we only buy the best molasses. It's grade A uh, select molasses. And um, that made our silver rum, which we call our white rum. And uh, I, I will be making a gold rum, uh, which will be aged uh, probably in about a month. Okay. And with that, I'll tweak, I've already tweaked the recipe. I, I developed all my own recipes. And with that one, I'm going to tweak, I've already tweaked the recipe to, to introduce different kinds of molasses into the recipe to give it a more interesting flavor prof profile. So what's the aha moment for you when the first or whatever that product was that came off the still and you yeah. said, we got something here. We've got something that the, the people are going to love. Yeah. You know, not just for you, but it was just that, wow, wow, this is, I can't wait for people to try what we're making. Well, you know, uh, in this business, as a small business, you have to watch cash flow. Uh, most businesses will fold because of cash flow problems in the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. What makes it more complex and difficult to manage in this business is you're making products that people want aged. And time becomes your enemy very, very quickly, very quickly. And if you haven't built that into the business plan, you're going to get in hot water. So we knew that we were going to have to make uh, a white whiskey, uh, whether you want to call it white lightning, which is really white rye or, or moonshine, which is a white corn liquor, but white whiskey. And, you know, you'll hear from a lot of people, well, people don't drink white whiskey. They don't care about it. They don't want it. See, I think that's it what just doesn't taste say. good. Yeah, but I think that's what people would say before craft distilleries kind of made their way on yeah. the scene. Yeah. And when you taste something that's coming out of what you're making, you're making. it's a different profile. Right. Where people would say, wow, I had no idea this is what it would taste exactly. like. Exactly. I like this. Right. And I will, yeah. I, I will create a drink, right? I will enjoy a cocktail right. that you're designing around this spirit. And that's just the feeling that I had from some of the people. There was also a lot of people that said, I didn't know white whiskey was still around. So, uh, but there were several people that ended up liking it. And there are people that don't really know that this is something that as you start to taste it and try it, what you're really doing though is you're re-educating the public. Mm -hmm. You're re-educating palates mm -hmm. and they don't know that until yeah. they can taste it and see what you're all about. There, there's a lot of people out there right now that have already purchased some of our rye whiskey, the white rye whiskey, that are waiting for the aged stuff. Yeah. And uh, I gave them a time frame, but they expect to see me come back. But there's a fair amount of people that are waiting to try the aged whiskey. You're going to tell us the time frame, or is that a secret? It's uh, in the next two, three, four weeks, okay. uh, probably. So what I'm, right? what I'm hearing yeah. you say is, you know, we're now, we're taping at the end of February. March, April is going to be a great time for your distillery yeah. because yeah. you're introducing products that people have been asking you for yeah. yeah and that you're really gonna be proud of as it comes out of those barrels to to Basically, the glass uh, keep your eyes on Facebook and Twitter <laughs> and you'll see a notification of when all that stuff comes out and you can stop by anytime okay yeah we'll do releases we'll do plan releases and like Joe said you know within the next two to three weeks we'll do our first release of the aged dry which we're calling Pennsylvania Liberty um, I've been tasting it about every two to three weeks in the barrel, and when I do tours, I let people taste it as well. I've got no nothing but good feedback, and I love it as well, not just because I made it. Um, I'll re start to release that in about two to three weeks. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna be doing some planned releases here in March and April. The bourbon that I've made and it's sitting in barrels probably won't get the first release till probably May. Okay. Uh, now, right now I'm making more rye. I'm bottling it today as we speak. Uh, and then next week I'll be making more bourbon. 
that's going in barrels and then the week after that or two weeks after that I'll be making my first uh, single malt whiskey I don't know American if you know this single malt whiskey. I don't know if you know this but your face lights up when you start talking about the spirits you're making. It yeah. really does. Yeah. And that's exciting. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah. It's love that's coming out in yeah. what you're doing. And I, and I do love it. Yeah. I, do, I do love it. You know, it's yeah. funny that you say that, Rich, because for me, I just like to make stuff. And uh, I remember when I was in the consulting world, the common thread with all my clients is what they, they made something. You know, they made, they all made something, whether it was chemicals or widgets or, or material handling. It didn't matter what it was. They made something. And I've always been enamored with businesses that make things and, and get their value because I think they give a lot of value to people as opposed to the others who I think tend to be more skimmers. They're skimming off, they're skimming value off the top. Yeah. And uh, so I, that's what I really wanted to do. And you know, we, we when we do tours, sometimes some of the young, I've had a couple of young people ask me, well, you know, what's your goal? You know, are you going to sell it to the business, grow it as fast as you can, and sell it some big crazy? Yeah, multiple? this is your IPO. Yeah, I'm and, like, I'm just know. like, no, 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 it's no, no, slow down. I said, this is what we're doing. We're enjoying this. We're doing this. It's a lot of hard work. Uh, you know, I I'm confident uh, that. Know, making the product, making it well, making it from scratch, uh, will continue, and I and I'm confident that people who decide to are willing to give us a try, I'm confident that most will like it. So you mentioned the names on the bottles. How did you come up with the different names for your spirits? How did that come about? I came up with all the names. I uh, it was kind of like a, a similar betting experience to the name of the company, you know. But really, it was me internally, you know, where I spent you know several nights. You know, kind of thinking about, okay, what's the story? That so your rye whiskey, the name of that is? Old City. Old City. And why did it come, why did you think Old well, City? Well, the common thread with all the names of our products is that they're they're, they're colloquial, if you will. They're, they're from around Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Which arguably has the greatest history in this country, this, this you know, 250, 275-year experiment. So I wanted it to have a local feel because there was... Number one, I enjoy that because I'm proud of being from the Philly, Philly area. Okay. And number two, there's really nobody else out there doing that. So it was a space that wasn't occupied, and I thought we could occupy it and do it well. So all the, the names of our products so far have something to do with history, tradition, almost always something to do with Pennsylvania or Philadelphia or something in this area. And I actually have a write-up for each product written on the side of the bottle so when people buy our bottles they can read that I think it's nice uh, there's always a reference to something historical in the area and with my twist in terms of how I tell it but you know that's the kind of thing I always thought it would be interesting to have an interesting product spirits mm -hmm. with an interesting story so the it's it's old city mm -hmm. and what's the other Bikit, names yeah what's Bikit the other names first city first city so philadelphia is always known as the first city in okay. the united states so first city okay old city was really named after philadelphia's old city area right uh the frontier explorers is our uh is our rum and you, when you th anybody thinks of rum they think of pirates and they think of the high seas and they think of these kinds of things uh, I guess a lot of people think, well, rum was invented down in the Caribbean or, or wherever, but that's not true. I mean, it's rum was probably the I should know this, but I probably forgot it already. Was probably the most ubiquitous spirit around during the colonial times. 
for well, everybody. As you said, it was it's easy. easy it was easy to, make. It's easy to make. And in a lot of cases, when you look at the fermentation process, you're already dealing with the sugar and the molasses anyway. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's how, it. you know. So when you look at the same consistency with mead, right? And and right. how something in high exactly. sugar has that happen. Yes. So yeah. And, and okay. Go ahead. No, no. And the names of our products uh, allow us to tell a good story to people that want to hear it. So uh, it, it works out good. I think it's all part of the process. Yeah, it is. Right. And then the gin is founders, which, you know, obviously, you know, this is the birthplace of the nation. The founders, they were here. So much to do with Philadelphia and its history. So I named it founders. So how do you delegate responsibilities in the distillery? Obviously, you're spending a lot of time behind the big glass wall. Yeah. And, and you're making, and, and Joe, you know, how, do you, how did you decide uh, to delegate what you're doing? Initially, I helped Rich back there. But at this point in time, uh, he's pretty much doing it all himself with a little bit of help. But for the most part, he's doing that, and uh, I am making as many sales calls a day as possible. Uh, the game plan in our uh, performa is somewhere between 12 and 13 or 14 sales calls a week. Some of them are a little bit more than that. Some of them are a little less than that. But uh, that's a simplified version of uh, what how we broke up the responsibilities for the time being. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 the marketing and selling part of this business is, is very difficult because you're up against... Uh, you're up against brand loyalty. And in the spirits world, brand loyalty is king. And especially for older folks and baby boomers and and folks who are more used to well when i walk into a bar i always get a jack daniels here's what i, would or say, I always get because you touched on something about the fact of where the craft spirits industry is versus where the um, craft beer industry was mm -hmm. and i think the same thing could probably be said at the time that craft spirits came on the scene a craft, craft brewing came on the scene yes. nobody's going to want to try anything beyond what their father's right. Budweiser right. You, know, you know not to get too far in the weeds of naming things right. but and you said you know hey it's this is what we identify with but now it's changed the perception and once people try what you're making mm -hmm. all bets are off yeah, and we hope that that's the case. I really I mean, believe yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's a nascent industry right now, but it is growing significantly. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of publication out there. You can look that up. Um, sure, there's always going to be winners and losers, for sure. But, uh, you know, um, selling spirits to people who, uh, to folks who don't care about anything but the brand that they've always had well mm -hmm. there's not a whole hell of a lot you're going to be able to do about that that's not your market right but right. for folks who are curious or who want something different or who 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 understand what craft is and local and they can talk to the guy who makes it and they could try different offerings that aren't available by the big uh, distillers and never have been because they don't they never had to right they can do that here like take my gin for instance when i like gin I'm not a vodka guy, I'm a gin guy. So I really wanted to make a really good gin, one that I could really be proud of because that's what I always drank. And, uh, you know, I don't ever kind of rush into things. So I, you know, I did my share of research around gin, the old stories, wherever I could find information. Today it's so easy with the internet. And I found that, you know, gin in the old days was significantly more flavorful than it is today. Botanicals are expensive. And when you talk to people, and, and this is my experience, and you can share this, when you talk to people, a lot of people say, I don't like gin. Yes, that's true. Because they're used to that heavy juniper forward. Yeah. 
um, yeah. that piney flavor. Absolutely. But when they taste something that has the botanical side of it, yeah. it's a reawakening, yeah. as you said. Yeah. Gin was more flavorful. Yeah. Yeah, gin is is one of those spirits that's quite unique in that regard. I mean, it, it does have its share of haters, for sure. Yeah. Uh, because of what you said. But uh, for those who like gin or they're okay I'll drink gin or I'll drink gin in a, in a cocktail I think they'll find that ours is very interesting because it is it does have a heavy botanical load and it and it and it's it doesn't have a ton of different botanicals it's got seven botanicals um, but there's a nice balance in the gin a very nice balance and what I find out there is very well received right after the white whiskey that they can't believe is still around and people end up tasting it and they actually love it but the second most popular one is the gin. It's it's incredible because you yeah. kind of have this perception, and when you put it out there and people taste it, it's a whole different experience. Right. So, um, we talked about a couple of products that are aging right now. Yeah. Um, what's the future of your distillery? I mean, we already talked about you're not selling, so you're not for sale. Um, no plan to do that no. at all. No. But you know, where do you see? I mean, here's the thing. Ten years ago, I mean, you had some idea you wanted to do something rich where you were right. making something. Yes. But I think, Joe, and you and I have talked about ten years ago, if I would have said to you, would you see yourself as a part owner and doing all this in a distillery? Would you have said that's what? Absolutely yeah. not. Would it even been in your, hey, I think I'd like to do absolutely that? Absolutely no. not. Right? Nope. nope. Yeah. It was something that I couldn't do. So it would have had to have been done with Rich or not at all. But uh, I uh, eventually recently retired sort of and uh, ended up doing this but but uh, i'm enjoying what i'm you doing you retired from your full-time job your full-time yeah. job i retired from another job <laughs> yeah. to get this job yeah. so but i'm but you it. love it i am you you it. love yeah. meeting I, the people and getting the responses oh, i yeah. know you do right yeah right yeah yeah joe joe gets out on the road he goes visit uh, targets and accounts and he and he also in the tasting room here you know, Benjamin is a terrific bar manager, and everybody loves him, and he does such a wonderful job. He really does and, and, and with the cocktails that he creates and makes. But Joe is is known because everybody that comes in here, Joe's talking to them. You yeah. know, he's walking around, he's talking to people. Yeah. And, and uh, I think people like that. They like a personal touch. You know, I don't go to chains. I haven't been to a chain place in years. But my, I remember you go in a chain... There's no connection. No, nobody cares. They just want to push the volume. And I don't believe in absentee ownership either. So yeah. but, but, but what, you, what you talked about is the fact that when you come here, when you when you visit Pennsylvania Distilling, the owner is going to be here. Mm -hmm. oh, you yeah. know, I'm here seven days a week. If, if you have any questions, you have any you know any any curiosities, you yeah. want to you do the tour. Yeah. People are actually where do you go? where somebody said, this isn't ready yet, but you can taste it mm -hmm. to get an experience of what the aging process yeah. maybe tastes like if you've never tried it. Right. But, you know, uh, you know, you guys are doing activities. Tell, tell us about some of the activities. Yeah, I mean, I'll, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you a perfect example. It was a good segue. Um, we're extremely customer focused, right? Uh, like I said, when we first started this segment, you know, we're trying to build a market one drink at a time. When a person sends me an email and says can you do a tour for me and my husband I never say no never ever say no I'm doing one tomorrow for husband and wife doing one next week for husband and wife girlfriend and boyfriends would work too or girlfriend and boyfriend yeah. significant but, other significant other somebody you'll do the yeah. tour <laughs> a, guy, a, a, a guy and his dog I mean I'll, I'll do I'll do I'll do the tour really yeah 
<laughs> because, like I said, I mean, I honestly believe we have to build this business one drink at a time. Because that person comes in here, they feel special because I'm taking time out of my busy day to give a tour. Right. And that's to two your people, value. That's to two value. people. Yeah. And other guys would say, you got to be nuts doing something like that. Why? Where, where's the value there? Believe me, there's value because they start to talk. And they tell other people. And, and in today's world of social networking and social media, that can be powerful for a small business, for a small business. And so I never turn anybody down. I'm constantly doing these little tours. Sometimes I do bigger tours. But other events we've done, I mean, we do philanthropic events here. We do, we do, uh, we've done a couple fundraisers. Uh, we've done a couple corporate things. Uh, we've done some East White, like we're Christmas members party. of the East Whiteland Business, yeah. uh, East White East Whiteland Business Partners uh, Group. So we're we're involved in two groups like that. So you know, we don't have a huge space here, but the space that we have is available for events for for any group. Yeah. So I, you do a dart league. We do yes. a dart. Joe put that together as a dart league on I Thursday hear, night. It's very I hear it's popular. going gangbusters. I, I hear uh, dart league's going very well. Uh, I just need some earplugs some nights uh, to calm the noise down. <laughs> okay. But other than that, and we have uh, Quizzo on uh, Wednesdays. Yeah, which, Quizzo's uh, Wednesday. Which is Quizzo with along. Anthony. Quizzo mm-hmm. with Anthony. Anthony yeah. on Wednesdays. A lot, everybody that comes in here likes Anthony. Yeah. Quizzo part of it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what we got going on right now, those two things on Wednesday and Thursday. And Friday and Saturday, we get a fair amount of people that come in here uh, just to uh, sit down and have a drink. Are you uh, doing any participation in any of the competitions right now or any of the local um, tastings in the area? Have you started? We do, a no- we do a significant number of tastings. Okay. Yeah, yeah we do a significant number of off-site tastings. Okay. So that'll continue. Do you have some coming up soon that we you're do. aware of? Okay. We do. Yeah. We have check, check the website. We have a number us. of them. Yeah. Okay. We just uh, signed up for the Phoenixville one in May. And there's several other ones coming up along the way. Yeah, as Bishop well. Shanahan. Bishop Shanahan is another uh, one. Yeah, okay. we'll be at the we'll be at the American Whiskey Convention. Uh, that's going to be held this year. It's going to be at the uh, University of Pennsylvania Archaeological Museum. Yep. Uh, because we went to that one last year. It was at the. Uh, um, uh, we were in Center the, City somewhere. No, no, no. It's Not a different that group. Okay. We went to it last year. It was. At a, at a near the Philly airport, at um, the uh, at, at, at the uh, the auto. Fred Simeon. Simeon. The Simeon. Oh yeah. You said yeah, it was, the, and it was well done. Yeah, yeah, it was well done. So this year they're going to have it at Penn. Yeah, and this I is went their fourth year. This so is their fourth I'm, year. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Wharton graduate. So so you know when I talked to the young lady who put the uh, put this together. Um, she was explaining some of the things about the museum. I said, oh, I know the museum. I've been there a number of times, uh, even for events, uh, being a graduate there. So we're looking forward to to that. Now, I just want to backtrack one second. Yep, go ahead. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we have a food truck here at the at our uh, location room, yep. which I many times call our cocktail bar because it really is. And it's Alley Cat. Uh, they're a local food truck, and, and they do just a terrific, terrific job yeah so, so what you pointed out there you have food on site yeah so and people can bring some snacks if they want but you've got sure. a great food truck out there that are mm-hmm. just providing food for people exactly so how do people connect with you where do people find you 
besides well, coming to Taste Room, where do you, on Facebook and yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all all through the the website. And it's at Philly Philadelphia Distilling. Penn Distilling. Penn Distilling. Yeah, Penn Distilling. Dot com. Okay. Yeah, Penn Distilling. No, that happens a lot of times. People I know. confuse Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, well, because you talked about Philadelphia so much. Yeah. We well, we're, we're we're here in Philly, and really, this is Philly. Right. Know? It I is. Mean, there's four and a half million people here. Right. In Southeast PA. So people can find you on social media. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to share? Anything maybe we missed? Well, we could share our trip that we made last week to uh, Harrisburg if you'd like to share that trip as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Go, no, go ahead. We go ahead. Uh, last week, Rich and I went up to Harrisburg and. Um, if things work out the right way along the time schedule that we talked about, we've done our paperwork. Now they have to do their part, but uh, we could be in 10 uh, fine wine and good spirit stores uh, by the end of March. That's exciting. So, so even a year, less than a year before you open, this is the impact. That's why people are asking for yeah. what you're making, and that's where they're going to be able to find you too. Yeah. So you yeah. don't have to come to the distillery. They can actually find you on the shelves. A- a- exactly. And you know, that's so critically important in this state because it is one of the 18 control states Mm -hmm. and uh, that is the channel that is the wholesale channel right is the lcb so if you're not doing business with the lcb in this business you're not you're not in business it's going to be tough unless unless, unless you have it there there is another way there's a totally different strategy i'm not sure how effective it can be so uh, you know, and that connects with what I said earlier. The state of Pennsylvania has been terrific, really terrific. I mean, we we went up and met our buyer, who was just just yeah. excellent. Is there excellent. are there any of the uh, restaurants or any of the places in this in this area you want to highlight to carry your products? Do you know, yeah, there's several right now. There's uh, Brick and Brew. There's Dan Dan, Dan, Dan Casey's Poorhouse, Casey's Poorhouse, um, General Warren Inn, mm-hmm. uh, Savona Bistro up in uh, Chad's uh, Kennett Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Suburban Brewery. Laredo. Uh, Laredo. And King, Eddie B's and King of Prussia. Uh, Tap House 23 in Bridgeport. Um, so we're giving good shout outs. And if yeah. you're looking to get a nice, really well-made craft local spirit, mm-hmm. there's some other places to get it. But yeah. you'd love to have people come to the distillery to see what you're doing. Here. Yeah, because, you know, it, because the, this business is so new, it really is in its infancy. Uh Many people, rightfully so, just don't know what we can and can't do. Right. In the state of Pennsylvania, we are a de facto liquor store, or what we used to call a state store. Right. And now they call fine wine and good spirit shops. In the state of Pennsylvania, we have a Pennsylvania limited distillery license. That means that people can come here and buy bottles. They can buy cases right here. And if you want them, if they want to buy pallets, you'd be more than happy to sell them. More right? than happy to sell them. <laughs> back, back the truck up. Yeah. So, look, I, I'm glad that we've met. I'm glad to have been introduced to what you're making. And uh, I, I can't wish you and Pennsylvania Distilling, you know, all the success and luck. I'm really glad we had some time to sit down and talk to each other. And just looking forward to all the great things that lie ahead. Well, thank you so much. Rich, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you, It's a pleasure. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to, to kind of explain a little bit about our little business here and uh, kind of demystify it, if you will. I, I hope it's uh, I hope it helps some people and gives them a, gives them a uh, maybe a little bit more curiosity to try some of our products. And come on out and try them all. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, Rich. Thank you, man. Thank you. Pleasure.